Yes, hello there and welcome to another Articuform podcast with Ben and Jacob. Hope your week has been well and uh, yeah, like I said, welcome to another edition of the podcast. It's a bit of a weird one this week, Ben, isn't it? Yeah, um, I didn't think we'd get one down. Um, not because of lack of trying or not enough time, or actually I have very little time, so I'm glad to be getting this in, uh, but mainly because we've seen nothing. Or not that we've seen nothing, nothing's been worthy of a review. Which is right, why so we've got two reviews. We've got two reviews on the podcast today: uh, Roadkill and the Trial of Chicago Seven. And we're just really going to have to review everything about these films. We're going to have to review them in as much depth as possible. Well, no, I have an awful lot of thoughts on the Trial of Chicago Seven. Like you guys can't see the notes, but it's a solid page of notes in size ten font. Oh, I've is. managed to make so. Uh, it's more than it's more than a page. I know. Oh, wow, Ben. Well, that's going to be great for me to listen to. I uh, might just have a nap halfway through. I'm joking. I'm joking. It'll be great. You'll smash it as usual. Ben, just before we start with the news, can you confirm that you are 100 percent sober this week? It's three o'clock. It's three fifteen. So uh, I can't confirm. I'm joking. I am a hundred percent sober. I've not. This last any. week, you obviously had a little bit to drink before recording the podcast. And it just kind of hit you as the podcast went on. I know, I thought I would be okay and I'd just about get through it. And yeah, no, did not get through it and was not okay. Also, did you listen back to the pod? I didn't. <laughs> I, I really um, think that is probably a good thing. I listened to it and thought, oh dear. Because also, our, um, Anna, we mentioned it on the podcast last week. Ben's at uni. I'm in my bedroom without a microphone, so the audio is a little bit off. I believe the technical term for it is tinny. So, sorry for the tinny audio, but like I said, we're just two guys creating a podcast that we hope you enjoy. Mm. At the end of the day, we enjoy it, don't we, Ben? Yeah, I think we do. No, I certainly yeah. do, so yeah. I certainly do. That's good. That's good that we're both on the same page. Right, let's get cracking with today's Articulate Film Podcast, and we start with the news. Right, so Mad Max Fury Road came out, what, five years ago now? Bloody hell, it came out five years ago. Uh, And um, they announced a prequel based off Furiosa, who is played by Charlize Theron uh, in the original. And they've cast not one, not two, but three superheroes in the lead roles. So firstly, playing Furiosa, we've got the amazing uh, Anya Taylor-Joy you would have seen in The Witch, Emma, or Split, and she's recently done The New Mutants. Um, then you've also, they've got a big movie star here. Can you guess which Chris they've hired, Jacob? No, I can't. Um, is it, it's not Stephen Amell, is it? No, which Chris, like, because you know how there's like Chris Hemsworth, Chris Evans, Chris Pratt. Oh. There's one more, Chris Pine. I don't know. Yeah, they've hired Chris Hemsworth, uh, the god of thunder, for, and uh, many other things that everyone forgets. Um, uh, but the third person they've hired, who I'm... Where did I get Stephen Amell from, then? I don't know, considering I literally you gave I, you the I, first name. I just really name. contemplate what you said. You said, can you guess which Chris they've hired? And I just go, um, uh, what's it? Stephen Amell. Yeah. yeah, Stephen Amell is, is not a Chris. Not a Chris. Um, I don't know where that's come from. <laughs> Anyway, uh, oh, well. the third person in the cast who I'm really excited for is Yaya Abdul. It's not Stephen Amell, is it? 
It's not Stephen Amell. <laughs> I don't, where is Stephen Amell coming from? I don't know. Who's the third person then? It's Yahya Abdul Mateen II. That is his actual name, fresh off his Emmy win for playing uh, Dr. Manhattan in HBO's Watchmen. And he was also an Aquaman last year. And he's in the trial of Chicago 7, so we'll talk more about him later. But I think this film is very exciting. Yes, that, that does sound good. Uh, elsewhere in the news, Ben, what have we got? Well, Gal Gadot and Patty Jenkins are reuniting in a non-Wonder Woman film. They start their direct and lead a new Cleopatra biopic, which caused controversy because Cleopatra was not white. Um, so uh, I, can't... I think everyone knows Cleopatra was not white. I know, and they cast a white person. Oh. Gal Gadot, who you will know in Wonder Woman, Wonder Woman 1984, which has been delayed till Christmas Day. I doubt we'll watch it uh, on Christmas, because I doubt it will actually be released. Does Do you know who mean... I think would have been really good as Cleopatra? Yeah. I've forgotten her name, but I've raved about her on the podcast before. A British actress. The she one from Legends The Kissing Booth 2. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, she would have good. I could have seen that. She's probably not got like the box office to lead the film, but she could have done well. Who else? She could have done well. Or Zendaya could have been cool. Zendaya would have made a good Cleopatra, or an unknown. Or an unknown. Yeah, someone completely unknown. I would have liked to see because we've seen the huge epic Hollywood takes on Cleopatra, Cecil D. Mills nineteen thirty four film, Elizabeth Taylor's nineteen sixty three film. So yeah, I wish Sony had kind of picked an unknown and went for a huge risk, but during COVID, that probably wasn't the case. And um, they have got the colour completely wrong. Yes, which is never good. Just no, it's authenticity. Not, it's not. No, it's not. Uh, ben, what else has gone on in the news? Um, so the final piece of news is Oscar-winning director... Uh, the guy Matthew A. Cherry, who won Best Animated Short last year for his film Hair Love, which is amazing, is going to be d- d- directing a film about the young King Tut- Tutankhamun uh, called Tut. Uh, and it's going to be some sort of Afro-fusion animated style movie. I'm down for it. Out of all three, Ben, uh, the three films we've just spoken about, which one are you most looking forward to? I think it could be Tut because yeah. I'm interested in the Egyptians. I, I'm i interested in new voices. Matthew H. Harry's authentic. He won his Oscar for a brilliant show, for a film, short film, which is getting its own HBO spin-off called Young Love. So I'm always excited to see what the people who win the Oscars for the shorts do next. Yeah, no, that's, um, that does sound very, very exciting. Uh, if you're just tuning in, or, well, if you're presumably been listening the whole time, uh, we've got Trailer Talk coming up. But right now, let's do the first of two reviews on the podcast this week. Roadkill, which is on BBC One on Sunday nights, plus it's available on iPlayer. I do love it when you go a bit radio and forget that this is a podcast and people are listening the entire way through. I'm so, I'm so used to... To doing the radio stuff if you're just tuning in no podcast people listen to the whole thing you, you don't really skip through a podcast it's just 
Well, maybe people skip through the bits they don't like, so just straight to the end. But um, yeah, straight to the end. Anyway, yeah. Roadkill follows politician Peter Lawrence, played by Hugh Laurie, um, whose private life is going tits up. Uh, he's shameless, untroubled. He's got no guilt, no remorse. He wants to further his own political agenda and bring others down so he can eventually become the Prime Minister and it'll be no surprise that he's a Tory. Um, I'm just going to have to say this. Your political opinion will kind of cloud your views on this show because I was on Twitter on Sunday night when it aired and um, lots of middle-aged people whom I'm assuming vote Tory just didn't like how badly Peter Lawrence had been represented and how evil Hugh Laurie's portrayal is. But let's discuss the show slightly impartially. I can never truly let my politics lead and anyone who listens lots will know what they are and they'll become very clear when <laughs> we're talking about the trial of Chicago 7. Um, so the acting, good acting, like Hugh Laurie nailed it as ever. Helen McCroy, Always great as a kind of PM um, figure. Then the pacing worked over the first episode. I think it'll grow over the next three. Um, but, and there's a but, the dialogue is bloody clunky. It's unnatural. It's is like, it more uh, unnatural than Star Wars Attack the Clones? <laughs> it's just theatrical. It doesn't feel real. There's so much happening in the first episode that there's so much exposition it feels almost like in a play when they're saying I'm going to give you all the information I'm going to tell you it all and it just doesn't work for me and it I think lots of the cast get a bit bogged down by it it's a huge cast huge I can't I'm not going to name them but so many actors you'll recognize and Hugh Laurie's the only person who seems to gel with it also I'd have liked slow it's a slow drama it's got lots of intrigue, but I would have liked a few jokes in there. Like something subtle, some... Because all the actors in this have comedy, comedic skills. They've all been in lighter stuff. Hugh Laurie's obviously famous for it. So I would have liked... Even in House of Cards, there are moments that aren't really dark. I would have liked a few more of them. Um, if you're not into UK politics, you won't understand this. And in the same way, if you don't know who Hugh Laurie is or unfamiliar with his on-screen presence, you won't be watching it because he's very charismatic, but you need to have that connection to watch him. US, if you're listening in the US, you will not know what you're watching. It's kind of solid. It's all right. Not amazing. Not awful. If you like this kind of stuff, if it's a genre like the plick or thriller you like, if you're in its target audience, I'm sure you'll be. Gr- I'm sure you'll find it well. I mean... Who knows, we've still got three episodes to go. It could be something amazing. It could really improve. But it's just a little stunted and took a while to get going. So, Ben, what are you going to give that, mate? Is it a must-watch or is it a watch-if-you-can? It's a watch-if-you-can, kind of. But you did enjoy it. You did enjoy it. I did enjoy it, yeah. Uh, not least because I if like watching... you're just tuning in, I'm joking. <laughs> not least because I like watching evil Tories play out on screen like they do in real life. Um, yes. Anyway, like I said, if you're just tuning in, I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking, Ben. Ben's looking at me like, stop now, stop now. No one laughed uh, the first time into... you played that joke. <laughs> Third time too many? Third time too many. Let's get into trailer talk right now. Uh, yeah, so um, 
not a good week for trailers. Because uh, I don't. It's been think... a pretty dry week in general, hasn't it? It's been an odd week. Yeah. I know it because I've spent more time on YouTube than I have on Netflix, which is like never has happened in my life. Um, so the first trailer we had was for Monster Hunt, which is an action film. It's quite clear from the trailer, and it's based Christian, off. It's animated. No, it's not animated. It's live action. Is it not? Based off video games, which I'm going to be very open, I've never played or heard of. It stars Mila Djokovic, um, who's not been good and in I, anything. I assume, your video, I assume your video game knowledge goes as far as Fortnite and Minecraft. My video game knowledge doesn't stretch to Fortnite. And uh, it goes as far as FIFA. FIFA. <laughs> That's the only game. Or Football Manager. Those are the only games you'll ever see me play. <laughs> because um, I'm a footy fan um, anyway Mila Djokovic has not been good in anything since The Fifth Element which came out 23 years ago it's directed by Paul W.S. Anderson he's not directed anything good ever he did the awful Resident Evil video game series also starring Mila Djokovic so I'm not looking forward to this film when it was released in cinemas on the 4th of December. However, I will, will you go... Be going and... to watch it? Will you be going to watch it? It depends if there's any, like, smaller indie thing being released on that day. I think Norm Nomadland is slated to be released then, so I think I'll just watch how was, that. Um, how was the cinema by yourself, by the way? Uh, it was actually really good. I liked both Were films. Were you the only one in there? No. No? There was, like, an average of four or five people over the two screenings and both films were good one of them stopped and talked to me at the end which was uncomfortable because he was half naked um i'm not kidding on that (laughs) and he was wearing what can best be described as a man as a wife beater okay yeah and he had lots of i've never known anyone to wear them to the cinema but he had lots of if you're listening mate no hard feelings. If you're listening. Did you tell him about the pod? No. no. I did not. I did not do a plug that point. Because, so thank God the chances he's listening is so minute. You should have um, handed out flyers to the people in the cinema. Go check I out the I should. Or all, all six of them. <laughs> all six of them. That'll be six more listeners than we currently have. Especially if I keep making the same joke over and over again. Yeah, so um, then there's also been a trailer for The Empty Man, which is a pretty standard horror film about a group of teenagers who call on the folklore myth of The Empty Man and the taglines, first first night you see him, second night you hear him, third night he kills you, kind of thing. So you know what's happening. It's about a bunch of teenagers and we know like half of them will die. (laughs) if I'm being optimistic. Um, it's including cast-wise James Badgedale, Stephen King and Joel Courtney from The Kissing Booth. And uh, currently it's got no UK release date, which is a nuisance. I hope we see it in cinema soon. It might just be one of those films that just appears, like they sometimes happen. And I reckon it'll appear sooner rather than later because we're near Halloween. It's October. Yes, it's, oh yeah, 11 days mm. from day of recording this. It's exciting. 
it is. We need to start decorating our flat, but... There's no trick-or-treating this year anyway, is there? I don't know. I think there could be. I mean, knocking on people's doors and giving out sweets would be weird in this climate, but... It would. It'd be... That's ridiculous. You can't be doing that. Too much touching. You'd have to give out, like, hand gel or masks. Yeah. <laughs> or have your own hand gel and sanitise the, like, packet of sweets. Yeah. I'm sure you can do something to get around it. Um, the I'm sure. F- the final trailer of the week is um, His Dark Material Season 2, which is coming out on the 15th of November in the UK on BBC One. It's coming out the next night, the 16th, if you're in the States watching on HBO. Um, and it's obviously based off the hit novel series. And uh, this time around, sexy priest Andrew Scott is joining the cast, which includes Daphne Keane, Kit Connor and Amir Wilson. I never watched the first season, to be honest. I liked the episode or two I watched, but I just didn't have time. But I know plenty of people are obsessed with it. It's a big hit. It's on my list. I'll get around to it. So, Ben, out of all those trailers, you are looking forward to the majority of them, I think it's fair to say. No, no, I'm only looking forward to one of those things. His dark materials. (laughs) Okay, are you ready for Ben's in-depth, potentially too in-depth review of the trial of Chicago 7? Uh, Other politics available that have to listen to what Ben's going to be preaching. I think that's fair to say, isn't it, Ben? Uh, Yeah, but I am also going to give you a really good review of a really political film, and I don't think you can watch this and not be on the side I was on. It's not like a film that's easy to stay politically impartial of. Also, how far do you think I'll get through this? Because you can see how much I've wrote with my voice intact. Mate, you have a lot. Like, I reckon you've got a good, like, five, six minutes of straight talking. I know, so I'm sorry. Jacob. And we always go off as well. We always go off script. Yep. Uh, so, in 19... 19- in your own time, Ben, in your own time, That's this set the... is the trial of Chicago 7, non-political bias, mm, review. <laughs> so, in 1968, the Democratic po- Political Convention, naming whoever they named as person who would lose the presidency to Richard Nixon was met with protests and activists like the moderate students for democratic society led by Tom Hayden who's played by Eddie Redmayne and the militant yippies um your kind of hippies played uh, which were led by Abby Hoffman and Jerry Rubin played by Sasha Baron Cohen in a dramatic role and Jerry Rublin now these led to a violent confrontation with the police in Chicago the events are infamous. Lots of people have heard of them. You may have seen documentaries on them. And as a result, the seven accused ringleaders were put on charges like conspiracy uh, to cross state lines to start a riot, which is a federal law uh, thing in America for 10 years, um, by the hostile Richard Nixon administration, which wanted the protesters gone. Just, they wanted them in jail, it's clear. Um, the cast and the other people on trial include Bobby Seale, who was at the time the leader of the Black Panthers, who wasn't actually in Chicago, or he was in Chicago, but not at the convention or nowhere near. They just arrested him because they wanted a black man on trial. 
Uh, and what follows is a film that's kind of a trial film. You know, the films, Jacob, you know the films that are just set in like a trial courtroom. It's a courtroom drama. Um, yeah. With a... I love a good courtroom drama. I know, this is a good courtroom drama with Judge Hoffman, uh, played by Frank Langella, and constantly repeats he's no relation to Abby Hoffman because he fit, puts himself higher than everyone else, has literally no bias to thing ever. And uh, he's helped what biasly bullying the people who are being accused by the duty-bound prosecution lawyer Richard Schultz, played by Joseph Gordon-Levitt, who doesn't get enough praise. Um, like, as, that sounds like pretty sounds like a pretty strong cast. It's a strong cast. I mean, obviously, the Seven face all the odds. The lawyers face all the odds. Hayden and his fellow frustrated yippies. They start getting. Some of the actions they do in the trial get more and more absurd. It's hard to believe at times this actually happened, but it's very clear from the moment you start watching this film which way the trial's going and which way it's going to end. But that doesn't matter because the way it plays out works and the fight for the political philosophies goes and works really well. Now, it's a film that kind of goes, this is the 1960s, we were in the time of the American dream, why were there the need for the protests? Why was it such a nightmare? And it is quite sanitised, but, like, this optimism of, like, what engulfed America in the late 60s and how it hid the injustices and how very few people were aware of it and how they had to stand up and their views were suppressed. And actually, I watched this film on events that are 50 years old now, and... um it's still as relevant today as it was 50 years ago. Um, the main characters and cast are all charming, but the problem is, and when we talk about the Oscars, this will be the problem, so many big-name actors all have so much screen time, but they're all, like, supporting roles. They're, there's probably 10 supporting men in this film and no leads, and they're all a bit shallow and a bit two-dimensional because no-one's given, or very few big scenes are given. So I don't know if any of them will be able to win awards, even in a story of blatant injustice, which is compelling, and the two hours flew by. Um, it's a good film. I think people will compare it to To Kill a Mockingbird in five, ten years' time. I think it has that kind of classic thing that films need. Is it better than Killing Mockingbird? Well, I don't know, because you're comparing an iconic book and a film to something that I watched last Friday. I can't compare them yet. Um, to Kill a Mockingbird arguably is more depth, uh, particularly with the lawyer characters. Mark Rylance is good and charming and off-ball as one of the lawyers, but he's not given a lot. And um, that's down to the script. It's a very... The film's wrote and directed by Aaron Sorkin. If you know who he is, you know what to expect. If you think I have a lot of words to get through, this film probably has 80 or 90 words a minute. The dialogue snap, 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 snap. Throughout two hours, it's exhausting to watch. Um, let's talk a bit more about each of the cast. Sasha Baron Cohen and Jeremy Strong are both hilarious. They're two characters or two real-life people who were on the trail and they played everything for laughs. Can I just point out... We're halfway through this review. I love how in-depth it is. I love it. Yeah, we are halfway through. You're not boring me either, Ben. You're doing a good job, mate. 
Uh, anyway, they play the characters. And the voice is still there now. The My voice is still, is there. still there. It's fighting through. They're both playing comedians. Uh, Sash Brown Cohen does actually have a few stand-up scenes. But there's also pain behind the scenes, and it's quite heart-wrenching at points. Um, and for Baron Cohen, this is a role that's completely different to what he's played in a long time, and I hope he hits an Oscar nomination. Also, he the week after, this came out on Friday... Do you know what's being released this Friday? This is going off script. A film that I'm very excited for. I. Borat I 2. Pardon? Borat 2. Oh, really? So pumped. I watched the first one last night just to get me in the it's mood. It's on Netflix. Uh, Borat's on Amazon. Borat 2 will also be on Amazon this Friday. So good. Perfect film. The first Ben's one. That's a big fan. The second, I just love walking around Southampton and then you just see the billboards of Sasha Baron Cohen with a mask as a mankini. You've seen them, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Iconic. I think we need to get our advertising on billboards in Southampton. I think we do. Maybe I'll just put, like, listen to the Articu Film podcast in, like, a felt-tip pen uh, on the blue mask so it stands out. Oh, yeah, yeah. Won't get arrested for that at all. Definitely won't. We can't afford advertising otherwise. So no, we um, can afford felt tip pens, though. What? We can afford felt tip pens, though. Yeah, I'm a student. I have loads of them anyway. Um, Eddie Redmayne is also brilliant in the film. It's kind of like a privileged college kid with a conscious conscience, and he's trying not to go into the cog and be in the machine that he doesn't want to be. But it's very clear we knew that that character would just end up getting washed away if these whole events didn't happen. Um, those three performances are all great, but it's the guy we mentioned at the top of the show, Yahya Abdul Mantin II, who steals the film. Um, he plays Bobby Seale, the leader of the Black Panthers, and the blatant mistreatment and racism and the sense of anger, you can feel it and it comes through the film screen. There's a scene where he's physically gagged. The only black man in the courtroom's gagged. He's not rep- He's not allowed to be represented by a lawyer. It's where you see how racist the Judge Hoffman truly is, is how he deals with Yaya Abdul-Manteen. And the scene, it's two lines, but when Mark Rylance's character says, accuses... Judge Hoffman of being a racist and Judge Hoffman goes I've never been accused of being a racist in my courtroom before you're the first person to make that accusation and Joseph Gordon-Levitt's character goes well let me be the second most powerful line of the film and it's just in with so many brilliant ones um so it's just the film's depressing afterwards though not because it's good bad because it's brilliant But because the US and the UK, to a certain extent, are still police states, there's still huge racism, still classism, all this stuff that they were fighting against. Does it leave a sour taste in your mouth? Yeah, an uplifting taste, yeah. An uplifting taste, but a sour taste, because all the stuff that these people fought for is still institutional. The phrase, the whole world is watching, was heavily used in the trailers uh, as like a chant. And you think uh, the whole world was watching the Black Lives Matter protests and the huge miscarriages of justice that have happened over there. 
and they've just been left to pass. I mean, arguably we're in a worse state now because Nixon tried not to be crooked. I mean, he was impeached in the end, thank God. But Trump's clearly incompetent. He's clearly crooked. Thank God we've got two weeks of him being the leader of the free world. And Boris isn't much better. They both stoke up division and let Fed and let the police run amok and stop basic human rights. And they're open about it. Like what happened in 1970, 1969. And it's not... These men were called unpatriotic because they didn't support the far right that took over their country. They weren't supporting a war that was, let's be honest, a, a pointless war in Vietnam. But they're heroes, the Chicago 7, or the 11 people put on trial. They're heroes for standing up and speaking and using their voice and using their free speech in a even and it's depressing that the world's gone backwards now all of these men have sadly passed away um if i was a teacher i'd show the film being honest i think it should be taught in schools it should be watched it teaches about what it means to be a human about using your voice to be powerful about oppressive regimes and how they can be so apparent and so obvious um and I know people would complain because they'd say it's not appropriate, but screw that. We have huge problems in the world. Poverty, homelessness, lack of health care, lack of social issues. And they blight countries. The US and UK used to be the best countries in the world and we're just not anymore. Uh, because stuff like the trial of Chicago 7 are so true and so relevant. And actually, we should forget it. We should be in a stage where this film's just a great historical film. Not me talking about politics the whole time because it's relevant. But instead we live in a country or we live in a world where the Supreme Court next appointee is pretty much the same as Justin Hoffman, Judge Hoffman, the guy who's vilified in this film. He would fit in in America's highest court. It's a must-watch film. And it tells you that we need to fix the system. The whole world's watching the whole world's watching very powerful lines Ben well done you got through that you also made it incredibly hard for me to follow sorry that was Ben that was an incredible review honestly thank you so so much you've outright persuaded me to go watch that um, it's not my kind of thing but I kind of want to be educated I feel like you address some things in there that I feel like as a human being I have a duty to know more about you know yeah no it's it's a really good film and it will be we'll talk about this more because it'll be probably at the oscars it will have long legs i hope more it'll people be at the watch oscars it. film awards it's gonna get nominated for all the awards it's happening including our awards yeah <laughs> including our awards ben, mandalorian season two is coming out soon yes it is you want me to get on that and review that you can review that. Actually, if you would, that means I don't have to watch it. <laughs> I'll do it. I'll do it. I'm excited. Okay. Uh, just before we come to the end, it's binge of the week time. So my binge of the week this week is Made in Chelsea. It's available in the UK on all four, all Britbox, and new episodes are coming out weekly at the minute, Mondays at nine on E4. Um, essentially, Made in Chelsea, semi-reality TV show. The reason I say semi-reality is because some of it is quite obviously scripted. Um, in fact, I know a lot of aspiring actors 
actually uh, extras in the background for the show, in the cafes and things. But when you get past all that, it's actually just funny to see how this extremely upper-class society live and just how petty they are yeah. you know but she, she shared an uber home with uh with rosie the other night and i just thought it was ridiculous man you know what i mean like you can't be doing that you can't share an uber yeah you what? Know, it's very why it's just you funny just pay for your own uber we can all afford them why don't you just pay for your I own know, i know <laughs> um but it's just a great ben have you watched it i have watched do you like it? it it's funny isn't it it's <laughs> I do like it. I mean, we know I got BritBox subscription a few weeks back to watch the first episode of Spitting Image. And the only other thing I watched on there was a few of like the first season episodes of Made in Chelsea. Uh, and you liked it? I do like it. I really like the show. I, If it's on, I'll switch it on. I just, I don't follow it religiously. But I do. <laughs> I do. I came in last season, season before, and I've been watching it since. So at the minute, I've actually gone back and been watching the older episodes. Yeah, I've just watched crazy. the older episodes, not the kind of newer stuff. Everyone was obsessed with it like four years ago. You're a bit late. <laughs> it's coming back in now, though. Yeah, I don't know. I'm not in a high school environment anymore. I wouldn't know if it's coming back in. High school, Ben, you were never in a high school environment. We're not American. Shut up. Um, <laughs> anyway, I like Made in Chelsea. And Jamie Lang's doing Strictly. I feel like he is I doing read Strictly, that somewhere. Yeah. I feel like he also read he did it last year as well, but as I've never, or as I don't watch the show. No, Jamie was going to do Strictly last year, but he got injured. Okay, I feel like he could be quite good at it. He's a I funny feel like dude. He's going to smash it. Yeah, he'll smash it, mate. He'll smash it. Um, and also, Sam Thompson and Zara uh, Dermot, we're seeing their breakup at the minute. We're seeing that breakup unfold. No, I, that just went over my head. <laughs> okay. Uh, Someone from Main Chelsea and someone who used to be on Love Island are breaking up on Main Chelsea at the minute. Um, oh shit, I remember her. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no spoilers. Ben, thank you for being an amazing co-host. Thank you so much for that really informative, in-depth review of The Trial of Chicago 7. Genuinely, mate, I thought, oh God, he's written so much, it's going to bore me to death. You didn't. You did the complete opposite. You had me hooked the entire time. Like, genuinely, hats off to you, mate. Uh, thank you so much to you, the lovely listeners. Uh, and we will see you next week. Goodbye. Bye.